It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! Flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> okay, welcome in. Uh, it is uh, Thursday, 25th day of uh, May. We're looking at the uh, Thursday before the big Memorial Day holiday weekend, and uh, unfortunately it's going to be marred with... Uh, Wet weather. Stop if you've heard this before. In fact, it's already raining uh, along the coast in some uh, spots. So, uh, we'll, uh, beautiful night for our concert on the Common. We'll tell you about that in a little bit. And, uh, very excited today. Uh, friend of the, uh, program, uh, best selling author John Feinstein's got a new book on David Faraday and it is out. And, uh, he has, uh, that, uh, for us. A lot of other things to talk about as uh, well, including uh, the game that would not end yesterday. Uh, Pirates uh, endured nearly five hours of delays yesterday in uh, rallying to beat Cincinnati and in the Bearcat season, 9-6 to down in Clearwater in the AAC Conference Tournament. Uh, Pirates uh, got to the fourth inning, and then weather halted the game there. What was that, some four-plus hours of a rain delay? And then uh, when they finally fired it back up around quarter till, ten till nine last night, I thought, okay, I'll give this a whirl. Uh, And uh, then they had the power surge, and that put the lights out in the uh, stadium. So I tapped out at that point. I was not going to try to stay up and and make my way through that because – at that point, you didn't know how long that was going to be. But five hours of delays, ECU was able to persevere. So the Pirates' off day is today. They get uh, UCF next. How about those uh, USF Bulls? South Florida, the eight seed, run-ruled UCF today. 15-4, to four, South Florida with nine hits, 19 hits, excuse me, in the, uh, in the game today. Uh, they have been... Unreal, 12 out of 24 with runners on today, uh, and uh, trying to see how many home runs they hit uh, in the game. But uh, amazing stuff for uh, South Florida. Only hit one home run in the game and scored 15 runs. Wow, that was uh, Betancourt who hit the homer. So, huh. so that was the uh, final there. The other uh, final out of the American was the game that was supposed to be played after ECU and uh, Cincinnati last night. They ended up moving it to nine this morning, which is probably the best thing to do, especially given that second delay where the lights went out due to the power surge at the ballpark, and it was Houston 4-3 this morning over Wichita State. Wichita made it a game in the ninth, but uh, could not tie and take a lead, so... In that one, uh, Houston advances. Wichita State's season, because they were both in the loser's bracket, is done. Uh, finished. And so uh, the Pirates will get UCF tomorrow for the right to play at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. So uh, whoever's producing that from our side of things, bring your coffee, because you will, uh, the Pirates win tomorrow afternoon. You'll be turning it around 
uh, bright and early. A little breakfast and baseball on Saturday. Again, if the Pirates win tomorrow, today they're off day in Clearwater. So uh, we'll be here tomorrow afternoon live for you right here. Uh, we're uh, working on finalizing some guests. Looks like Jay Sunholder may be with us tomorrow. Sonny did a lot of the games with me on ESPN Plus this year, so we'll get his uh, thoughts on this. And uh, we'll see. We'll kind of go from there. Depends on when the Pirates are playing and uh, if we're able to get her. We'll talk to anybody else. We'll see. But uh, East Carolina will uh, try to get to the semifinal round Saturday, and uh, they've got to knock off UCF, a team they swept in uh, Greenville earlier in the year. So we'll see how that uh, goes. I'm looking uh, – well, let's do our uh, – let's get some of the audio, the post-game audio, before we get into some of the projections and all that. So uh, we'll do that right now with our Pirate Report. Here we go. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Coach Godwin, his opening statement uh, following the Pirate win. Yeah, you know, uh, I told the guys before – uh, we played today that back in 2021, we uh, won the first two games at South Florida. We played four games and lost the last two, and then we got 10-run ruled in the uh, first game. We were the one seed, Memphis was the eight seed, and it was a bullpen day, kind of like today. Um, and we got up 11-1 against Cincinnati, and the final ended up being 13-9. So I told him it was going to be a battle. Obviously, I didn't know we were going to have a rain delay for four or five hours, but Man, Danny Bill was special. Carter Spivey was special. And then the big horse, Trey Savage, was outstanding. Big horse. That's uh, what uh, it's an old Coach O saying there, big horse. Uh, Godwin, Coach Godwin explains what won the Pirates the game. Yeah, both sides. Uh, their guy, I think it was White, uh, was really, really good. Um, you know, I think he probably got a little tired. We were able to get some walks and able to get a run to tie the game. And then, you know, we are able to manufacture a couple of runs. Starling moves the baseball. Um, you know, who's just running hard the whole time and score two runs, go up two. And then in the last inning, we are able to manufacture. Carter leads us off with a single. Mullen um, walks. Riley Johnson gets on a bunt that they missed play, which was a hit. And then we were able to score one. So all those runs were very crucial. And he talked about all of the energy from the dugout yesterday. Yeah, I, I thought the dugout was outstanding um, all game, and, and we made a point of emphasis on that. And, uh, you know, we just need to keep doing that. Uh, and then Coach Godwin explains the decision to take Spivey out. Um, yeah, we were hoping that Spivey could get through it, but, uh, you know, we didn't make a play behind him. And then we walked the guy, you know, 3-2. And, you know, Spivey's out there. He's gotten it out. Um, he still wanted to be out there. But new Trey was fresh, and Spivey had done his job. And, um, you know, Trey's got strikeout stuff. And he, uh, I think he punched out the side. So that was pretty special. Uh, and then Coach Godwin talked about Danny Beal's performance. Um, you know, he just does multiple pitches for strikes, uh, different arm angles. Of course, he's got a lot of confidence right now. I mean, who wouldn't the way he's been pitching? And, hell, he wanted to start today. He went to Coach Knight and told him he could start. And, uh, of course, we didn't want him to do that. But uh, he's really gotten it out. Um, his landing knee gets really sore after he pitches a lot. And, and you can tell if you know what, what you're looking for that he's not 100%. But he's out there just gotten it out. And, and we appreciate that. Uh, more from Coach Godwin here, but uh, Danny Beal yesterday uh, with uh, the middle relief, two and a third innings, four strikeouts for the Pirates. He allowed just one hit 
Uh, Spivey goes an inning and two-thirds, gets credit for the win. He moves to seven and three. Walked uh, one, struck out three, and then Trey Savage, who we'll hear from here in a second, came on and worked a uh, one, two, three, striking out the side uh, ninth inning to earn his first save of the uh, season. So the Pirate uh, bullpen, again, was uh, outstanding, as it has been uh, here at times this year. Uh, they've had times where they've looked a little tired, but they have uh, done a really good job uh, by and large, and that is something that Coach Godwin talks about. He credits the staff for the uh, bullpen always being ready. We're our athletic training staff and uh, Kevin Young's um, being with us, a uh, physical therapist, and I can't tell you how, m- how many hours they spend on our guys, especially our pitchers with their their arms and the massages and the BFR and everything that goes into it. And, um, you know, Coach Wilson, our strength coach, having these guys physically prepared and Coach Knight having them mentally prepared that they want to go out there and take the ball. So um, a lot of tough guys showed up today. And Coach G uh, says he's proud of the team for dealing with all the adversity. Well, this team's been through pretty much anything you can um, go through in a season. I and mean, then we've played three games in one day. We've had a five-hour rain delay. We've had the lights go out pretty much, uh, you know, not every player, but uh, Wilcoxon's missed time, Jenkins Cowart's missed time, Starling's missed time, um, your Savage's missed time, Sailor's missed time, and this team just keeps showing up, and uh, that, that's the thing I'm most proud about. Speaking of your Savage, Trey your Savage uh, says he was amped to be out there in the ninth. Yeah, it's been just about a year since I've done that, but I was adrenaline was running through my veins. I mean, I can't. My heart was beating a mile a minute, and I was just excited to be out there and help my team win. And he talked about how that adrenaline uh, helped him in his outing. That had a lot to do with the adrenaline I was feeling, because as a starter, you don't get too much of that because you got to spin it out over a long period of pitches. But, um, yeah, it felt really good. Fastball was good. Austin was good as well. And Trey Savage says he missed being this kind of pitcher. Uh, the coaches were just making sure I felt good and I was ready to go. Um, that was the biggest part. But he told me that. The first thing, I, my heart sank because I was so excited. Um, I, I'm, I mean, I miss, I miss being this kind of pitcher, um, but I also love starting. Um, all right, Trey Savage there who picked up the save. So uh, D1 Baseball came out. They started the week with their projections Monday. They still came out with their Wednesday midweek projections. And uh, East Carolina is still a two-seed in those uh, midweeks, according to the projections from D1 Baseball and the field of 64. Uh, they have placed the Pirates in the Coral Gables region. So you see you would be down in Florida. Miami would be the number one seed in the host and the 13 national seed. So you'd have uh, the Miami 1, East Carolina 2 in the Coral Gables uh, Regional. TCU out of the Big 12 would be third, and then Oral Roberts, who's got a pretty good team, uh, would be uh, at the four seed. And so that would be opposite on the national seeding bracket of the Baton Rouge Regional, LSU, the four overall. Nichols State is in there, or Nichols, I guess is what they go by now. Uh, Washington, who's uh, been playing really great of the Huskies lately, and then Texas Tech, who continues to show up as a three in a lot of the projections. So that's the latest today. Uh, Campbell is the number two in the Clemson Regional. Clemson's fifth now, according to D1 Baseball, their projections. Today, Campbell would be the two seed uh, there, Coastal. 
uh, is the uh, number nine national seed. Virginia is the number eight national seed, but Coastal would have Indiana, one-time Pirate opponent this year, NC State, another Pirate opponent, and Fairfield in the Conway Regional, according to D1 Baseball. Of course, Wake Forest remains number one uh, there. Uh, South Carolina is the 15 seed. UNCW is the four seed in that, according to D1 Baseball, uh, in that regional in Columbia, North Carolina, and Grand Canyon, two and three, respectively. So earlier in the week, uh, and I don't think they've updated this since we started the show. I looked at it and pulled this up right before we came on. Uh, but uh, as of Monday, Baseball America, who puts out their own projections, also had the Pirates as a two-seed. They had them at Clemson, which would be interesting because of the back, Eric Backage uh, Nick Schnabel connection with Cliff Godwin. Uh, and uh, that, according to Baseball America, to start the week, Clemson was the number six national seed. So you, you kind of see where this is lining up now, that loss uh, really – I don't, I don't know if it sealed the fate, but it, I think it probably gave any hope that was out there that the Pirates might be able to do something uh, from from achieving that. So that is uh, that is the deal. Now, look, you still win the, the conference tournament. There's going to be teams that are going to be falling and being eliminated. There's already teams already have bounced that are top 25 caliber teams from the uh, uh, SEC tournament. All the other tournaments out there, the ACC is making some adjustments because of the rain that's coming in to the weekend. So uh, they're even talking about with the Atlantic Coast Conference just having whoever finished first as the automatic qualifier, and that would be Wake Forest, uh, because they may not be able to finish their tournament in Durham because of the weather. All right, so uh, that's the latest. We've also got that D1 baseball projection up for you on, pardon me, our social media uh, at Twitter at 943 The Game, and uh, on our Facebook page as well. Uh, the sports gambling. So yesterday, uh, and again, we didn't have a show yesterday. We weren't scheduled to have a show. Uh, the rain delay, we can't anticipate that. I had other things I had to do. I would have happily jumped on uh, and uh, tried to fill some time, done it before, but it just didn't uh, play in the cards when I have – an open day, I kind of turn my attention to other things I have to do, and, and yesterday was one of those things. So um, I'm looking at uh, what went down with sports gambling yesterday and today. Uh, we've got a cut of a report from WREL. Now, the report is from yesterday, uh, the televised report, the thing we're going to have an audio cut for you. Uh, but the state Senate is planning to legalize mobile sports wagering and in some select locations in-person sports betting next week. The timeline on legislation has been discussed for more than two years. Uh, it looks like this is going to be voted on according to Phil Berger, who is the president uh, pro tem of the Senate. He's the Senate leader. Uh, this will be voted on floor votes on May 31st and June 1st, so next Wednesday and Thursday. After this has uh, gone through the rules and finance committees, it will hit the floor. They anticipate it will get through the finance. They anticipate it will get through the rules in the Senate and will be a little closer to sports gambling uh, becoming a reality. There were some changes to what the Senate has done. So I'm going to play this cut for you from the WREL report. I believe this is Laura Leslie uh, reporting from uh, the legislature and then what she maybe doesn't cover in this uh, that's germane I'll make mention of. One thing I can think of for sure. Uh, that's big for ECU. But uh, here is 
Laura Leslie uh, from WREL, who covers the legislature, on that yesterday. Senator Tim Moffitt said online sports betting is common in North Carolina, even though it's officially against state law. He compared it to the Prohibition era in the 1930s. When we have essentially banned something, but our, but our folks are participating in that and ignoring the law. And that's where we are today. The latest version of the bill would make it legal to bet on professional, college, and Olympic sports using various online gambling apps. It would also allow you to bet in person using cash at betting windows at professional sporting events. Venues like PNC have already started planning for that. Betting on horse racing would become legal, too. So that's one of the big, uh, two of the changes there she covered. Uh, horse racing seems to be something that somebody must want to do or, or get behind uh, because that's all of a sudden come up. But being able to place bets with cash rather than through the app or with a card uh, at a sporting event, say a game at Bank of America Stadium or if you went to a Hurricanes game uh, or a Hornets game. Uh, the Senate also raised the tax rate by uh, two operators, by operators, from 14% to 18%. That's different from the House version. It's a 4% bump. We talked about uh, money going to HBCUs and uh, smaller colleges in the state. That same money in the Senate version was included going to East Carolina and Appalachian State. So ECU, under this agreement, would get $300,000 a year money from uh, the coffers, from that tax rate. Now, somebody put in an amendment to make sure Charlotte got included in that. So basically every institution in the state that's not in the ACC, public institution in the state that's not in the ACC, would be eligible to get uh, the money that uh, would be to the tune of $300,000 a year. And... Hey, the more the merrier. The three hundred grand in Greenville with the UCU athletic department would go, I'm sure, a long way. Uh, the House is just going to wait and see what the Senate passes, what that looks like. And uh, our guy Jason Sane, who's been the lead sponsor in the House, says that he has kept the proponents aware of their changes throughout the process. So uh, again, we're moving the ball ever so slowly down the field as the sausage is being made. All right, a timeout, and uh, we will come back. Uh, we got John Feinstein with us today. He's got a new book out on uh, David Faraday, the great uh, golf broadcaster, it's a witty guy. We love having Feinstein on. So uh, John Feinstein will be with us a little bit later on. And uh, right after this timeout, we'll tell you about Concert on the Common with the Band of Oz tonight. All right, uh, another concert on the common, and uh, look, the way the holiday weekend is uh, looking, the long weekend, the kickoff the summer, this is uh, really one of the few things you're going to be able to do outdoors. So what better way to kind of uh, get the gateway of the long Memorial Day weekend than uh, do so by having a concert on the common, which is absolutely free out at uh, the town common in Greenville, the Greenville Toyota Amphitheater. Mark Miller is with us from uh, 107.9 WNCT. Mark and Laura in the mornings, the multiple-time show of the year in the state of North Carolina. I'm going to demand a recount one of these years, Miller. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> Don't you dare. 
Don't you dare. Let's just be happy with what we have, sir. So when, we, when WTIB won the station of the year, I went to the event, and yeah. they have these name tags on. And Miller looks like a five-star general with all the ribbons and, uh, you know, superlatives okay. he had on his name tag. I mean, it was that was weighing you down. I was concerned about your posture. You there was so a lot there. of hardware, Patrick. There was a lot. But I will tell you that a lot of those things did not apply to me, and I just found them and added them to my uh, my lapel well, there just to uh, make myself seem more important. That's the I'm way classy to do it. Like All that. right. Yeah. Yeah, you are classy. There's, there's no doubt. Okay. So we've got uh, one of one of the institutions in beach music yeah. performing for free live and in color in Greenville tonight. Yeah, it's going to be quite the night tonight here at the Town Common. Uh, you got the Band of Oz. What more needs to be said? Legends in their time, the Band of Oz, taking the stage in about 35 minutes or so. And we've got a nice crowd out here right now. I, okay, there are parts of eastern North Carolina. In fact, I was 20 minutes away, and uh, mm-hmm. I got outside. I went to get in my car, and it was raining. But uh, it is not raining here. Uh, it's okay. raining where you are, and and the forecast is not calling for it over the like anything that's going to shut this thing down. We have got a nice dry afternoon here at the town common, and we've got a nice crowd that that uh has is not worried about that because they got a free show <laughs> with one of the best right. beach music bands out here, and uh, we've got some food, we've got some drinks, we've got all kinds of cool sponsors with uh, the Chachkis, Patrick, the Chachkis. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Yeah. Word, uh, great, yeah. Yes, the great that's the right word. The, the great Mark Miller, Mark and Laura, the uh, award-winning morning show, the best show in North Carolina in, on radio is uh, Mark Miller is with us. The award-winning Mark Miller from 107.9 WNCT is with us uh, here as uh, we have concert on the common. All right, the Junior League of Greenville is selling uh, beverages, including brewskis. So yes. no coolers, no we, we no coolers. Don't worry about the that. Bands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'll take care of uh, the the alcohol. It's here, uh, the adult beverages, as they say, and uh, all of the delicious food that lines the street uh, right up in the town common. You get to take your pick, and you're going to be good to go. Awesome, Miller. I understand you guys at sort of intermission. You can enter a raffle and get some tickets. You no joke. Yeah, we've got tickets. tickets for crying out loud. Oh no, no, no. This, this time, this time it's uh, yeah. we've got different tickets this week. We've got tickets right, to right. see uh, Darius. Correct, correct. Tickets, correct. Had correct. tickets which those uh, tickets are got impossible tickets to get. Right, right. Well, we gave a bunch of them away uh, last concert in the common, but we will have tickets right. throughout the summer right. to different shows. Yeah. Possibly some more Aerosmith tickets. In fact, I'm pretty sure okay. as the, the uh, shows go on, we'll have some more of those. But um, okay. we do have Darius Rucker tickets. What do you have tonight? Yeah, Darius Rucker's coming July 21st to Live Oak Bank Pavilion in Wilmington. And if you would like to see uh, Hootie himself, former formerly of Hootie the Blowfish, now is a <laughs> awesome country career that continues, you can check him out. We also have the Last Summer on Earth Tour, which they've had many years in a row now. It's a very misleading title. Uh, Bare Naked yeah. Ladies are the headliners of that tour, and that's always a fun one. So you can register for those and at uh, intermission. Or as you sports guys say, halftime, we will give half those time. tickets away. So um, 
Darius Rucker has blocked me on Twitter. Did you know that, uh, Miller? I, I did not know that, but I'm not shocked. Yeah, he, he blocked me on Twitter, and, and it was very innocuous. I just well, tweeted why in the fel- world would that happen, CJ? Well, I, tweeted at a, I tweeted at a fellow, towards a fellow, a colleague, that uh, that he was no Lionel Richie. I forget the, the context of why, but he's not. He's no, Darius is no Lionel Richie, and that's not that's a slight a, to Darius. It's a really odd, well, what, how are we comparing the... I need more context on this, but I think he was in the right to block you, to be honest with you. Really? Inconceivable. Because <laughs> I said he's no Lionel Richie? He's not. Yes, Steve, uh, I, I can't think of a reason why he would go there. Yeah. I, well, I mean, who is Lionel Richie? Was... That's the thing. That's the problem. You're, you're kind of right about that. But, like, why are we even right. going there? Well, because they were saying Darius would come out and do a song that Lionel Richie would... He'd play the, the Lionel Richie part. He was opening for somebody, and I guess somebody had a duet with Lionel Richie. It was a country. And I said something like, child, please, Darius is no Lionel Richie. And that was, it was oh, hey. a, just a ha-ha. That's all it was, is a ha-ha. He's wow. Not, he's he blocked not, you? Oh, my for goodness. That. For Listen, that. you don't mess with well, – I'm, I'm, I almost want you to win these tickets so you can go there and confront him on this. No, no, I uh, trust me. He get yeah, a little backstage. You're like, hey, Darius. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. Why did you block me? I think we get along. I think we get along famously if we were, if we ever met. All right, uh, bet, all right. So the Band of Oz tonight at uh, yeah. the Town Common in Greenville, Greenville Toyota Amphitheater. Uh, Miller, lay lay out the scene for us here. Give the hard sell. Oh, it's just it's beautiful. It's a, it's a little chilly with a little wind, but we still have that sort of live music, summertime vibe. You want to kick off that Memorial Day weekend so bad, right? You want to get to it oh, already. Yeah. This is the perfect opportunity to kick it off just a little early, and uh, we won't tell anybody. <laughs> it, is a, it is a free show. Bring a lawn chair. You'll be up. You'll be shagging. You'll be dancing. You'll be having yourselves a fantastic time. Get some food, some drinks. And uh, hang with us. I come up to the tent. I'd love to say hi to you, and uh, I'd love to talk sports with you. Uh, just not with Patrick anymore because uh, that, I forgot, dude. <laughs> I forgot what happens when I talk to you. Do you remember this last year? Anytime right, I talk to you, something bad would happen almost immediately following, and then it, right. true to form two weeks ago, it happened. Right, your guys with the got bounced. Oh, got bounced by the Lord. Celtics. Yeah. And then they gave up the other night to the Celtics. But they they did win. I'm looking they at this. won game four. They did win game four, but I looked at games one through three, and I looked at those box scores. I'm like, where was this the final five minutes of game six? Exactly. Ugh. But I want to talk they about that. Because your audience doesn't care. Like, that's so, that's so in the past now. Ah, yeah. That's so so last, so last month is what it is. All right. Now uh, I'm just focused hey. on the Pirates here. There you go. All right. Hey, Miller, great to talk to you, and uh, have fun out there tonight. You too. You too, P-Man. Talk to you soon, okay, bud? All right. There he goes, the great Mark Miller, 107.9 WNCT. Uh, it's concert on the Common, the Band of Oz, Greenville Town Common, plenty of parking, beer for sale, lots of great eats. Go out and have a big time tonight to kick off uh, the summer season with uh, – with the Band of Oz. No better way to do it than our concert on the Common, and uh, thanks to all of our great sponsors who helped put it on. 
All right, uh, we're going to get John Feinstein on the horn next and talk to him about his brand-new book, Friend of the Show. We've had John on many times. Looking forward to talking to John uh, in just a little bit. But right now we go to uh, Chris Cook with a 94-3 The Game sports update. Cookie? Pirates got the job done in the American Athletic Conference Baseball Championship with a 9-6 win over Cincinnati in an elimination game Wednesday at Baycare Ballpark. ECU dealt with nearly five hours of delays during the day as weather halted the game in the fourth inning before the lights then went out in the stadium later in the game. ECU head coach Cliff Godwin on the wing. Before uh, we played today, that back in 2021, we uh, won the first two games at South Florida. We played four games and lost the last two, and then we got 10 run ruled in the uh, first game. We were the one seed, Memphis with the eight seed, and it was a bullpen day, kind of like today. Um, and we got up 11 to 1 against Cincinnati, and the final ended up being 13 9. So I told him it was going to be a battle. Obviously, I didn't know we were going to have a rain delay for four or five hours, but. Man, Danny Bill was special, Carter Spivey was special, and then the big horse, Trey Savage, was outstanding. Coach Godwin also talked about his decision to put in Trey Savage over Carter Spivey. Um, yeah, we were hoping that Spivey could get through it, but, uh, you know, we didn't make a play behind him, and then we walked the guy, you know, 3-2, and, you know, Spivey's out there, he's gotten it out, um, he still wanted to be out there, but... Knew Trey was fresh, and Spivey had done his job, and, um, you know, Trey's got strikeout stuff, and he, uh, I think he punched out the side, so that was pretty special. ECU went 7-0 against Cincinnati in 2023 and brought its winning streak in the overall series to 13. East Carolina advances in the bracket to face the loser of Thursday's game between number 4 seed UCF and number 8 seed South Florida on Friday at 1 o'clock. ACC Tournament Baseball resumes today. Top-ranked Wake Forest is set to take on Pittsburgh. NC State will square off against Miami. And North Carolina is taking on UVA. The Wolfpack and the Tar Heels both began pool play with a win on Tuesday. Ethan Hall has committed to play golf at ECU for the 2023-24 season, according to head coach Kevin Williams Thursday afternoon. Hall will join Drew Green, Adam Lennermark, Drew O'Neill, and Nathan O'Neill, who signed in November for, November for the upcoming season. Tomorrow, Duke plays Miami to finish off their ACC tournament trip. Duke is two wins away from reaching the Women's College World Series. The Blue Devils will begin a best-of-three series against Stanford in the Durham Super Regional tomorrow afternoon. The winner will advance to the 18 Women's College World Series in Oklahoma City. J.H. Rose looks for the sweep in the 3A Eastern Regional Final as they travel to Southern Lee. The Rampants won Game 1 in a best-of-three series after a 5-4 win on Tuesday in Greenville. A bill that would legalize sports gambling in North Carolina was approved by a Senate committee yesterday, but it came with some changes. They include an increased taxes on betting from 14 to 18 percent. The new version would also allow the use of cash when placing bets at a live sporting event such as horse racing. Senator Tim Moffitt said online sports betting is common in North Carolina, even though it's officially against state law. He compared it to the Prohibition era in the 1930s. When we have essentially banned something, but our, but our folks are participating in that and ignoring the law. And that's where we are today. The latest version of the bill would make it legal to bet on professional, college, and Olympic sports using various online gambling apps. It would also allow you to bet in person using cash at betting windows at professional sporting events. Venues like PNC have already started planning for that. 
betting on horse racing would become legal too. The measure now moves to the full Senate for consideration. The Carolina Hurricanes season came to an end last night with a 4-3 loss to the Florida Panthers, completing a four-game sweep of the Eastern Conference Finals. The Panthers scored the winning goal with just 4.3 seconds remaining in the game. The Panthers will take on either Las Vegas or Dallas in the Stanley Cup Finals. The Carolina Panthers are wrapping up their first week of OTAs. Carolina has an OTA session scheduled for today to end the week of practice. Top overall draft pick Bryce Young from Alabama says he's excited to work with this new coaching staff around head coach Frank Reich. Yeah, I've definitely, um, you know, I know very well about, about the staff, and you know, I, I think that I've been able to talk to everyone in the organization, and it, it's so clear how, how how much of a plan was behind it um, from bringing in coach from from Coach Reich having the experience that he has, and, and building this this staff that's been here, um, you know, bringing in, you know, helping to bring in and kind of mesh mesh some offenses as well um, with a lot of the stuff that, that that they've done in the run game and pass game with with play action stuff, and you know, I'm I'm obviously learning now the ins and outs of it, but I've been able to to, to to, to talk to everyone, to hear their philosophy, and I feel like it's an amazing opportunity for me. The Panthers will continue workouts over the next couple weeks, leading to the team's mandatory minicamp that starts in June. In some more NFL news, former NFL cornerback Damon Arnett has pleaded not guilty in Nevada to felony charges, and his lawyer is challenging his indictment, alleging he displayed a handgun during an argument with Las Vegas Strip Casino valets in January of 2022. And finally, second-year Washington Commanders tight end Armani Rogers, who the team anticipated becoming a bigger part of its uh, offense this season, suffered a non-contact Achilles injury and is likely out for the entire 2020. 23 season. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. This sports update is brought to you by the new IBX Media app. Listen to this and other shows such as Talk of the Town on the new free app from IBX Media for your smartphone. Now available on the App Store and on Google Play. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on the other side of this quick timeout right here on 94.3 The Game. The great John Feinstein, best-selling author, returns to the Patrick Johnson Show. Hey, John, how are you? I'm good, Patrick. It's good to talk to you again, as always. David Faraday is the uh, subject of your latest uh, book. Uh, it's out now, available everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy books, johnfeinstein.com, or feinsteinbooks.com, actually, is where you can go and uh, get it right. as well. Uh, so, yeah, c- tell us about it. David Faraday, what, uh, obviously a fascinating personality in person to cover. Yeah, I think that's the right word, fascinating. I've known David for more than 30 years, dating back to uh, when he uh, first came to the United States um, to play. I was researching A Good Walk Spoiled. David had been a hugely successful player in Europe. He'd won five times over there uh, and had played on the 91 Ryder Cup team, the famous War by the Shore, and actually beat Payne Stewart who was the U.S. Open champion at the time in the singles. So that's how good a player he was. But his wife uh, left him, just uh, left a note on the kitchen counter saying, move to Dallas uh, when he came home from a tournament with their two young boys. And David followed her to be with his boys um, to the U.S. and became part of the PGA Tour. Uh, and I got to know him over the next few years. And then, of course, as you know, he became a TV star, um, first with CBS and then with NBC and with his his interview show, um, cleverly enough, called Parody on Golf Channel. And so I know, I knew a lot about his life, about growing up during the Troubles in Northern Ireland, about his alcoholism, about his awful first marriage, 
um, and, and also most tragically about the death of his son due to a drug overdose. So I knew there was a great story there. The big question was, would David be comfortable talking about all those things? And he was terrific, Patrick. I mean, he never backed away from any of the, the more difficult things in his life. And, of course, he was also hysterically funny right. along the way because the two funniest people I've ever met in my life uh, are Jim Balvano and David Parody. High praise for both, uh, undoubtedly. John Feinstein is uh, with us uh, here. Faraday is the new book out, David Faraday's uh, life, and uh, it is it is raw and it is it is very real in a lot of ways. Was he very forthcoming? Do you hit him with that off the the bat? Those areas that uh, have have been troublesome in his life, or yes. does it take a while to get there? No, I mean he I he was actually. Better than me at the beginning, and I'll give you an example. Um, as you know, David is, as I said, David is a friend of mine, and uh, I would never do anything to hurt him. And he told me a story about being at the Masters, and it was a funny story because uh, he finished his his regular gig on Thursday at seven o'clock, and he was supposed to wait around to do the late night highlight show at 1130 with Jim Nance. And he was in a period where he was drinking. David's been on and off the wagon many, many times. Mm -hmm. And um, he had a few drinks before he drove his cart into Butler cabin. Uh, and when he got to Butler cabin, he thought, you know, why don't I get my car out of the CBS lot and park it right next to the door of Butler cabin so I can get out of here at midnight more quickly. It's a good thought. Except that he ended up driving the car around Butler Cabin onto the par three course. <laughs> they don't like carts right. on the par three course, much less a car. And he realized what he'd done, turned around, went back around Butler Cabin, and there were two police cars, lights flashing. Yeah. And sure enough, cop comes up to him, he rolls down his window, and he sees on the name tag that his name is, is Callahan O'Reilly, something Irish. And he thinks, hmm, maybe I can talk my way out of this Irishman to Irishman. And the cop's first question, naturally, is, sir, have you been drinking tonight? And David, being David, looks at him and goes, well, with that first question, I can see why you've never passed the detective's test. <laughs> and needless to say, he was in handcuffs a couple minutes later. And the cops called Jack Stevens, who was then the chairman of Augusta National, and said, what do you want us to do with this guy? And Jack Stevens said, ah, just let him go, which tells you several things. One, that... Um, David had and has a unique knack for making people like him. Jack Stevens liked him. That's why he let him go. And, you know, the members at Augusta, generally speaking, don't like anybody unless they're members. Um, and so that – but the other thing was David told me that story, and I said, are you sure you want me to put this in the book? Because it's a little bit embarrassing, obviously. And he said, John, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. We're not going to pull any punches. And that's the way he was throughout. Needless to say, it was extremely difficult for him to talk about the death of his oldest son, Shay. Mm -hmm. um, but he also set me up to talk to his other son, Rory, and his wife, Anita, and his daughter, Erin, in general, but also about that. And Rory, um, who was Shay's younger brother, was incredibly articulate, even sent me a copy of the eulogy that he, he oh, wow. did for his brother. And, and the reason he did the eulogy was because... David was literally incapable of talking at that point. Um, so 
Yeah, I mean, the, the cooperation I got from David, his family, his friends was just remarkable, I think. John Feinstein, uh, best-selling authors with this uh, here. The new book on David Faraday is available. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy books. Uh, Feinsteinbooks.com as well. As uh, we're talking uh, with John, has been good enough to give us uh, some time here today. He's been uh, he's been out uh, promoting the book and working real hard on it. So uh, we we really appreciate any time we can talk with the great John Feinstein. When what about uh, that period? Did he shine some light on with the death of his son? I mean, you, you said he was to the yeah. point he was inconsolable and, and not able to, to articulate, I guess, his feelings at that time. So, you know, without giving too much away, what, what was it about that time that maybe he revealed that was maybe therapeutic for him in some way? Well, I, 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 I'm not sure how therapeutic anything can be when you lose a child. Right, sure. I mean, I, I have three children myself, and, you know, and just the thought of it, I can't even think about it. Uh, but uh, he said that what probably got him through it and he still struggles with it, as you would think, five and a half years later, um, were family and friends. He, you know, he, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, George Bush, too, were all on his show, his interview show. Mm -hmm. And all three of them reached out to him after Shay's death. And he said Bill Clinton called him and spent an hour with him on the phone. And I was fortunate enough to interview President Clinton for the book. And he told me that he kept trying to say to David, don't blame yourself. Don't blame yourself. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, he knew that David would blame himself because that's what a parent does. And uh, But he said phone calls like that, um, the support he got, uh, he was working at NBC at the time for, from the NBC people, mm -hmm. uh, from Golf Channel people, uh, and from friends, um, was, was extreme, as helpful as you could be in a circumstance like that. I don't think uh, David's the same person now as he was before Shay's death. I mean, as I said, I've known him for 30 years. Yeah. Um, and, and the humor is still there. He can still tell a funny story or make a funny crack um, as well as anybody I know, as I mentioned. But there is a sadness about him. He, he told me he spends, at some point every day, he sits alone and cries. Because he 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 thinks about Shay and he thinks about what Shay might have become if he was still alive and still feels the guilt. Yeah, uh, and it's just what six years ago almost. Five and yeah, it'll be six years in July. Yeah. And and again, there's no greater tragedy in life yeah. than that. None. Oh, uh, John Feinstein, the new book on David Faraday is uh, out everywhere. You buy books now. A uh, great uh, read for. Uh, the summer, especially, is uh, everybody you know likes to go through books and read books this time of year when uh, they're on the beach or on vacation. So this would be an excellent one to to read. Was there how many people did you end up interviewing, John, for the book? Oh, let me think. Probably about sixty or seventy. Um, I, as I I interviewed his entire family, including his mom, who's still alive, and his sister, older sister. And uh, I, I interviewed, you know, CBS, everybody from CBS he worked with, everybody from NBC he worked with. Uh, I interviewed friends of his from the tour. Sam Torrance is his best friend in life. Um, they traveled together when they were both on the European tour. Sam, of course, was the uh, Ryder Cup captain in 2006. And David tells a great story about the year he was on the Ryder Cup team, 1991, and in those days, the visiting team would always fly across the Atlantic on the Concorde. 
and they flew into the airport in Charleston um, on the Concorde. And David said he looked out the window of the airplane as they were landing, and there were thousands of people waiting, you know, hanging on rafters all over the place. And he turned to Sam, who he was sitting with, and he said, my God, I didn't realize the Ryder Cup was this big in the United States. And Sam looked at him and said, they're here to see the blanket playing, you blanket idiot. <laughs> and one of the few times David ever got ca- got caught uh, in a joke. He's usually the jokester, right. not the jokey. One of the funniest people in golf, in addition to Faraday, is, is John McGinnis, and they've done some shows uh, yep. together. And, and I was listening uh, about a year ago to a show they were doing uh, one day before a tournament, uh, the PGA radio coverage. It might have been on Sirius or or something like that. But Probably serious. Yeah, yeah. David uh, talked about he never plays anymore. Like he right. rarely picks up a – so, um, I mean, that may be a very simple answer. Why is that? Yeah, there is a simple answer. He, 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 he's had back troubles dating back to the 90s. Um, his career was ended prematurely because of back issues, because of elbow issues, and because of his drinking. Um, and because of his horrible first marriage, we should mention that too. Um, but, uh, he has actually played a couple times in the last year or so. Okay. And said it went okay. You know, he didn't play great or anything. He hadn't played for years, but he said it was nice to be back on a golf course. He can't do it on a regular basis. But David used to come to the, the, uh, charity event that Tom Watson and I ran to raise money for ALS research in the name of Tom's caddy and my friend Bruce Edwards. Mm-hmm. And he would speak at the dinner, but he couldn't play. He physically couldn't play. So what he would do is he'd get in a golf cart and ride around and make jokes about the celebrities <laughs> who were playing. Right. And everybody loved it, of course. And I should mention, because I, I, I glossed it over a minute ago, um, it was Gary McCord who discovered David um, as a TV personality. Gary was in the locker room during a rain delay at the International in 1996 and heard David around a corner telling stories and thought, my God, this is this guy is really funny. He didn't know David. He'd never met him. But he introduced himself and said, look, we're going to have a long telecast tomorrow because of the rain delay. It was on USA. It was right. Friday. Yeah. Um, why don't you come sit in the tower with me for a while? And David initially was hesitant, but he said, oh, what the heck, I'm playing in the morning, I'm going to miss the cut. His career was on the rocks at that point. Um, why not? And he went and did it, and Gary said that he'd never been with anybody smarter, more insightful, or funnier for those two hours. And when they were coming down the steps from the tower, he said, this is what you're going to do next, and I hope you'll consider CBS. Well, a year later... CBS was looking for, quote-unquote, a foreign voice, and David was sitting in, a, in the bar at the hotel in Akron uh, during the World Series of Golf, and as he said, I was still an athlete, so I was drinking Gatorade with my vodka, uh, and two guys came up, uh, Rick Gentile and Lance Barrow, and said, we're from CBS, and he swears that his first reaction was, oh, God, 60 Minutes is doing an investigation in athletes who drink. Fortunately, they were there to offer him a job, yeah. and you know the rest of that, that story. Yeah, um, he was an instant star. Yeah, oh no, absolutely. Uh, so I mean, I guess he inevitably went fairly willingly into that vocation. Well, at that point, he had lost his 
exemption to play on the U.S. tour. Mm-hmm. He was still exempt in Europe because he'd won five times over there and been a Ryder Cupper, but his young young sons were living in Dallas. Right. And so given a choice between trying to go back with all the injuries and issues that he had in playing Europe or staying in the U.S. and going to work for CBS, he chose to stay in the U.S. At first, he had a three-tournament contract. They wanted to try him out, understandably. Sure, yeah. And by the end of the, the, the three tournaments, they, they knew they had a star on their hands. And Lance Barrow, who was the producer at the time, was smart enough to put David on the ground, walking with the last group, instead of putting him in a tower. Because that allowed him to talk to the players, to, to come up with funny lines, and, and also to be one of the very few people that Tiger Woods trusted. Mm-hmm. Because... And David's theory on that is that he he was one the rarest of people who never wanted anything from Tiger. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to do his job, and they eventually became friendly. I don't know if you say friends. I'm not sure Tiger has any friends, um, but they became friendly to the point where um, Tiger called David Farty because they used to have farting contests <laughs> on the golf course. <laughs> while Tiger was trying to win a golf tournament. And uh, so it was a unique relationship, and, and, and I think people sensed that when David was, was, was doing his job during those days. And then uh, there's also <laughs> a, a, a relationship with he and, and Sebi that... Uh, well, explained. different. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Different, but, but you know, as I said, David was on the 91 Ryder Cup right. team. And Seve was the leader uh, of the European teams at that point. They'd beaten the U.S. in 85 and 87 and, and retained the cup by tying in 89. And, of course, this was what the U.S. players dubbed the war by the shore. I'm not sure any golf tournament is a war, but, you know, they had to win. And every night in the team room, Seve would give the European players a pep talk. We're better than these guys. Right. We can beat these guys. And David vividly remembers the night before the singles Sevy giving him a, a, a shoulder massage and saying, you're better than pain. You can beat pain. I know you can beat pain. And him thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, wow, Sevy and I are friends. How cool is this? Because <laughs> Sevy w- was and is a hero in Europe. Yeah. Um, and, and he did go out and beat Paint Stewart the next day. And then the following week in Stuttgart, he ran into Sevy in the locker room. And he said, oh, here comes my new best friend, Sevy, And said, Sevy, how are you? And Sevy looked at him and said, Donald, how's it going? <laughs> so maybe they weren't BFFs. Right, maybe not. Uh, when you were, did this, did his leaving CBS and going to live or leaving NBC? Well, he went to NBC. Yeah, did, leaving NBC and going to live. Did this happen right. while you were doing the book? <laughs> well, it's funny you should ask that because I was wrapping up the book, uh, the writing. Uh, last July, and 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 David uh, texted me to let me know that he was getting ready to leave for live. He was at the British Open um, and said, this is going to be my last tournament for NBC, just so you know. Mm-hmm. So I texted him back, and I said, you mean to tell me I have to rewrite the end of this book just so you can make a couple million measly extra dollars? <laughs> And he texted me back, and he said, it's not a couple million easily extra dollars, because it's considerably more than that. And, you know, I, I, I have a lot of mixed um, feelings about Liv, as I think we all do. Um, but at least David didn't do the Phil Mickelson routine or some of the other players saying, oh, I'm doing this to grow the game of golf. I want right. to help the game of golf. David said, I'm doing it for the blank and money. And, and that's David. 
you know, David's honest. And he was like, he had one year left on his NBC contract. Mm -hmm. They were retiring. He knew they were retiring Roger Maltby and Gary Koch, who were in his age, age category. David will be 65 this summer. Um, they had canceled his, his show, his interview show, mm -hmm. because Golf Channel has lost so much money in the last few years. They right. just have canceled almost anything of quality. <laughs> and, and, well, and yeah. David's show was the best thing on Golf No, no, Golf it was. Channel. It was an excellent. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. It, you could yeah. put that show anywhere and anybody anywhere. would be interested in it. Exactly, because it wasn't just golfers or golf, and it was people. And, um, so he, he was wondering about his future with one year left on his contract and, and, and Greg Norman came in and said to him, we want you to be our John Madden. And David understood what that meant. He's lived in this country for 27 years now and, uh, or excuse me, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, so he, he was intrigued by what Greg said. And then when the money came up he got and, really and they said they would, <laughs> and they said they would restart charity, which they haven't done yet, but okay. they said they would. Uh, he just felt he couldn't turn it down. Now, where would and, they restart uh, that on their YouTube channel, or would that be on CW? I don't know, okay. I, and I don't think David knows. I'm having dinner with him tonight, so maybe I'll find out more. See, we'll, we'll we'll have, in Washington this week. We'll have breaking news on this. Is what we. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. John will break news on this. Hey, uh, you know I love talking to you anytime about anything, and uh, great, most success on the world with this book because it's a. A fascinating topic. It's a fascinating personality and a great story. And uh, anything else you're working on right now? Or, well, actually, uh, I've, I've started work on a book on the Ivy, on Ivy League football. Oh wow! And I know people in North Carolina are going to Ivy League football, but uh, the Ivy League's unique. Um, and, and not just because the kids are obviously bright to get into Ivy League schools, um, but it has unbelievable history dating, as you know, to the 19th century. And here, uh, here's a question I've been asking people. How many NFL players from the Ivy, do you think there were from the Ivy League last season? Last season? Um, yeah. Three. Good guess. 22. Oh, okay. The Ivy League plays much better football than I think people understand, and I think the reason for that is because the silly presidents won't let them play postseason. Right. I mean, there have been Ivy League teams in recent years who could have made a dent in the FCS playoffs, but yeah. they never get the opportunity. They play 10 games, 10 weeks in a row, and that's it. That's the end of the season. And um, so I, I've actually interviewed 42 players at this point. I went to spring practices and eight coaches. And, oh, wow. Um, I feel like I could. I'm, the book's going to, you know, be be written with the backdrop backdrop of this coming season, but uh, I feel like I could sit down and write it right now. I really uh, do. Yeah, absolutely. No, we, there's a kid from uh, Greenville who went to Columbia and played. They, were, they had a really good year last mm -hmm. year. Um, yeah, they were 6-4. and four. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, that was a big, big uh, – so you kind of keep up with them, you know, when you, have, when you know kids that go there. And, uh, right, absolutely. It's, uh, you well, know, I'll tell you a quick funny story. Yeah. Uh, um, Al Bagnoli is now the coach of Columbia, mm -hmm. and he was at Penn for 17 years and won, I think, seven Ivy League titles during that, that period. And then he went to Columbia – which arguably has had the worst program in, 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 in college football the last 50 years. Yeah. And I said, what's the difference between coaching at Penn and Columbia? And he said, well, at Penn, if we went 7-3, and three, everybody would say, geez, you had a rough season. 
He said, at Columbia, we won two in a row. They wanted to build a statue to me. <laughs> Uh, that's a, that'll be a great book. I, I'm excited. It's about a fun that. project yeah, for sure. I bet it is. Yeah. Hey, uh, John. And it was Faraday. Faraday was a lot of fun too, for obvious reasons. Just before you let you go, at this point, I know it's your it's how you make a living. But are you a little more selective in what you want to write about now? I mean, you can kind of afford to be, I guess. But I mean, if it's not fun or interesting, where I mean, well, I I've been very lucky, Patrick, because uh, you know, Season on the Brink was my first book. And I never expected it to become a number one bestseller, and it did. And because of that, for most of my career, I've been able to pick and choose my topics without having an editor say, you ought to do this because it'll sell, or you shouldn't do right. this because it might not sell. And that's probably, that's why, knowing all the things I know about Bob Knight and, and having been called all sorts of names by Bob Knight, I can never completely um, thank him enough for the access he gave me to write season on the brink. Yeah, because it, it, it started it all. Yeah, it, it started it all, and and as I said, you know, I've had I've had twenty twenty three bestsellers, right. so it's not right. like that's yeah. the only book I've ever written and had success. But that allowed me to go on and do the things that I I chose to do, as opposed to having some editor telling me what to do. Was the season on the – was that a tough sell, or how did that come about? Just well, it's funny you ask that because five publishers rejected the idea. Wow. Um, and uh, the, the sixth publisher, McMillan, a guy named Jeff Newman, offered me $17,500 as an advance, which meant I was taking a big pay cut from my job at the Washington Post. And uh, my parents thought it was a terrible idea uh, to do that. Um, my boss, George Solomon, initially just said, no, you can't do that. And I, I said, George, um, this isn't a request. This is an announcement. And if, if I have to leave the paper um, to do the book, I will because I really want to do it. And he backed down, fortunately. Um, and I went and wrote the book, and you know the rest. Yeah. Uh, always great to talk to you. I mean that sincerely. Uh, I appreciate your friendship and your your kindness just to come on the shows I host over the years. It really means a lot. I'm so. glad to do it, Patrick, and thanks for having me on and letting me talk about the book. Yep. Best of luck, John. We'll talk to you soon, I hope. All right, Patrick. Take care. Back to wrap it up right after this. The Pirates are playing tomorrow at 1 o'clock. You can hear the game right here on 94.3 The Game from Baycare Ballpark in Clearwater, Florida at 1 p.m. Airtime of 12.45 with Scooter and Coach O from Clearwater. And after the game, we'll be with you right here live with a breakdown of the matchup. Also get you ready for the big sports weekend over Memorial Day right here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Big thanks to John Feinstein today. Great job by John. Always don't forget his new book uh, out on the life of David Faraday, a must-read, available wherever you buy books, uh, aptly titled Faraday. So you can uh, check that out. Again, thanks to John Feinstein for taking a few minutes. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, talk of the town in the morning, and uh, we will also be back here with you live at 5 tomorrow for the fresh edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Have a good evening, everybody.